Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. We're going to look in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're just going to look at two verses, verses 3 and 4. Um, and I want to read these verses to begin with, and then we'll ask the Lord for some help, and then I want to give you this, uh, this thought out of this passage. Let's just read the verses. First, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, just verses 3 and 4. We, last week, we, had, we saw verses 1 and 2, and we looked at what was in there. But I want to read verse 3. Actually, I think I'm going to start in verse 2, just because the thought connects there. So I want to make sure that we, we get the connection. So let's start there. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so uh, excuse me, of our, and of Jesus our Lord. He, he's saying here that he wants you to have grace and peace multiplied through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So just, that's the beginning point. So that knowledge of God, continue on verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. So he's connecting the fact that we have knowledge of God to the fact that his divine power, because of that knowledge, his divine power hath given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, so that knowledge shows up again here, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So he's making it clear that because we know Jesus, we get some things. He says there it's his divine power. Verse 4 whereby, that same knowledge, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. We just talked about standing, or sung about standing on the promises. That by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's pray, and then we'll take our thought from this passage. Father, I need your um, Holy Spirit to cover me to just completely uh, obscure my opinions and my thoughts here, Lord, to use me certainly as you see fit, but Lord, I need your people to hear from you. They need to be reminded of who they are because of Jesus, and I pray, God, that your word will keep them, sort of course correct them, Lord, get them back into your word, show them the knowledge that they have in Jesus, help them to see the beautiful and wonderful benefits of our Savior. Use me, Lord, help me to express these almost inexpressible thoughts in a way that's helpful to the people, but also shows in worship, in worshipful way, how wonderful you are. I'm praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we looked at the first two verses, and we learned that as a Christian, you have the very distinct, gracious, historic opportunity to know God. I think that very thought is something that Christians just overlook. The fact that you get to know God. Do you know that? You get to know God. I mean, the God who created everything, you get to know Him. You get to know, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, you get to know His mind. The mind of God. He's revealed that to us. I get that. I get that information, that knowledge. I get to know God. In fact, Jesus says in his high priestly prayer in John 17, I wrote down this, it says, 
This is life eternal. We talk a lot about having eternal life. And Jesus says, I'm going to define that for you. This is what it looks like. This is life eternal. Here's what he says it is. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou sent. He says that eternal life is knowing God. If you actually know God, know who he is, I mean have a relationship with him and commune with him and, and get to know the, the many splendors of his glory, you get that, then you're going to have eternal life. That's what eternal life is. That is actually having not just life that never ends, but life that just you don't want it to end. It's so good. That's the kind of life that we get. Now, that's what we talked about last week, but don't miss that. That's important. That's kind of fundamental because you know God, there's some things that flow from that. That's what he's saying in verses 3 and 4. Because you can know God, there are some things you can have. I want to stop right here, whether you're listening on the live stream or you're in this, in this uh, sanctuary together with us. If you don't know God, everything I'm talking about is, it's a nice idea, but you don't get it. You can't have it. You can try all you want to. You can listen to all the preaching you want to. You can read all the self-help books you want to. But these things are not available to you. They are only available to you if you know God. Well, if you're asking the question, well, how in the world do I know God? Well, you know it by reading his word. You know it by knowing Jesus, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Because the minute that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, which you can only do when you know the Word of God, when you've heard it, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you've got to have the God, God's Word once you've heard it and then you believe it. Then you have the Holy Spirit that comes in and you get to know God then. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you don't know Jesus, this is just, I mean, I might as well be talking about, I don't know, Greek words because I don't know them and you don't know them and then what's the point? We might as well be talking about anything. But if you know God, then these things come to you. That's what Peter's writing to Christians. And he says, because you can know God, because there's the knowledge, here's what you get. Look in verse, uh, verse 3 again. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and, and virtue. Because you can know God... You have access to divine power. That's what he says there. The divine power is what he talks about. You have access to divine power. You know what that divine power can do? Well, let me just tell you, it can do anything. But specifically, he says he's given that divine power that is given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He says, I'm going to give you everything you need for your life, your physical needs. If you need it, to make it through the day, if you need it to get to the next day, to get it to the next week, if you need that, God is going to provide that. In fact, he says he actually, his divine power does provide that. I want to make sure that we expand that definition of, of life because it's not just what I need to fill my belly. It's what I need. Some of us understand this better than others of us. When you're in the, the deep valley, you need some emotional support. You know where that power is going to come from? I hope you have friends, I hope you have family, I hope that's all there for you, but you know where that's going to come from? Divine power. If you don't know God, you're not going to have that divine power that you need to get that emotional support through that problem. Some of you, and this, even those that are sitting in this uh, sanctuary this, after, this evening, some of you are actually going through some 
physical challenges, some health problems, and you're having to go and have treatments for those things. What's going to get you through that if God has a plan for you for the next month, two months, ten years, whatever it is he wants you to do? How are you going to get through that? The only way is through divine power. That's where that's going to come from. That's the only place. If you don't know God, you're not going to have divine power to get you through that. Some of you might actually be struggling financially. You don't know how you're going to get that bill paid or how that thing is going to be taken care of that you know is going to come down the, down the pike. You don't know how that's going to happen. If you know God, what you need to get from point A to point B, if that's what God needs you to do, he is going to provide. That's what he does. He's going to provide what you need for your life. He also says, for not only for your life, but for godliness. You know what else he's going to meet? He's going to meet your spiritual needs. He's going to meet your spiritual needs. He is going to help you, and forgive the allusion to the marriage vows, but he's going to help you with sickness and health, poverty and wealth. He's also going to help you with sin and despair. I, I think what you need to see is, you know those times in your life, and it's a whole range of issues like this, but when you don't, what, it's when you're at that point where you don't know what to do, you ever been there? I've been there before. You just don't know what to do. And it could be anything from a spiritual problem to a real world, if you will, physical problem. Whatever that is, but you just don't know what to do. You know, you know that feeling? When you're at that moment, that's when you need divine power, and that's what you have if you know God. Because if God requires it of you, whatever that thing is, whether it's making it through the week or if he calls you to a mission field, or whatever it is he's done, when he says he wants you to do that, if he's requiring it of you, he is going to provide it for you. Now, by the way, let me just make this little caveat because I don't want anybody to take what I'm saying and pervert what I'm saying at all. If God is asking you to go get yourself a new jet airplane, Kenneth Copeland, I'm sorry. I don't think that's how this works. I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Now, on the other hand, if God is requiring something of you to take care of an aged parent, aged parent, if God is requiring something of you to, to, to teach a Sunday school class, if God is requiring something of you to, to, to look after your family or your friends, if God is requiring those things of you, and he does, each of us have responsibilities, areas of responsibility, if God's requiring that of you, he will provide the means to do it. He will provide the means for you to do that. The problem is, too many of us, when I'm feeling in a pinch, you know what I do? Well, I need some money. I better run to the bank. I'm in a pinch. I don't know what to do, so I better go run to some self-help guru. I don't know what to do, so let me go watch the news a little bit. I, and the point is, I'm using those as examples to simply say, we don't look to God for the hope. We look, we're not looking for the divine power. We're looking for everybody else's power. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think I ought to do? And this wise counsel can be had, but we need to ultimately look to the power of God for our help because God has, he has, he has some real power. Do you know God has creative power? Go back to Genesis chapter 1. You know what he did? He said, let there be light. And you know what happened? He didn't, he didn't go hire a bunch of people. He, he, didn't go, he didn't wait six months for Duke Power to turn it on. You know what happened? It was there because he spoke it. He has that kind of power. So if you don't have what you need, you know what God can literally do? 
give him what he needs. He will then, it will be there. As my daddy always says, says God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold in the hills. He owns all of it. He owns all of it. And, and by the way, he's not even limited by the supply that's on this earth. He can create it out of literally nothing. Ex nihilo. There's some Latin for you. Out of nothing he can create. He's also the great orchestrator. He can bring things together that you would never imagine would be brought together. He can work out situations and circumstances, and you'd say, I would have never guessed that would have happened there at that time. But God, if that's what he wants to happen, not even, a, not even an issue. He just accomplishes it. He is a good father. He wants what's best for you. I think sometimes we sit back and say, well, God, why am I going through this problem? And, and right, rightly so, because it hurts, it's painful, we don't enjoy it. But we have to understand if our God is good, and I believe he is all the time, if he is a good God, he has a purpose in that, and he is using his divine power for me to make me, in fact, he's actually sanctifying me making me what I ought to be, making me right, because my God has divine power, and I have access to that divine power. Why? Because I know God. I know God, and I have access, therefore I have access to divine power. But he also says in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Because I know God, I have access to divine promises. He calls exceeding great and precious promises. They're exceeding great. These are extraordinary promises. These are not just promises like um, I made one to Jude today, and I'm going to have to fulfill it because I'd be lying to him if I didn't. He, uh, he come up to me, and he had some little card somebody gave him, one of these little like gift card things. And I was in the middle of something else, and he gave it to me. He said, oh, can't you tell me how much is on here? And I said, I'll look at it in a minute. I'll look at it in a minute. I got this. I got to focus on this. I, you, I can't do it right now. So that's a promise I made him. But honestly, that wasn't that extraordinary of a promise. It's going to take me all of five minutes to take, the, not even that, to go find out and deal with it. And it's what a daddy should do for his son. Ought to do that sort of thing, right? That's not an extraordinary promise. If, I, if, if uh, Vanessa tells me that supper's going to be ready at 6 o'clock tomorrow evening, and I say, well, I'll be there at that time, that's not all that extraordinary. I get something out of the deal by being there at 6 o'clock eating something. It's not that all extraordinary. On the other hand, the kind of promises that God has made to you and I are extraordinary. They're not just what you'd expect. That's why we call it grace, you understand. It's not what you'd expect. It's more than you can even ask or think. It's bigger than you can imagine. So when he says it's an exceeding great promise, these are pretty magnificent promises. They're precious promises. These are promises that are valuable beyond compare. These are the kinds of promises that, that again, if, if I were to simply say to you, hey, I'll be there at a certain time, or I'll give you some money back whenever I, or give you some money that I owe you, those are promises that might have some value to them, but they're not super valuable at the end of the day. I mean, your time is valuable, my time is valuable, but that's as far as it goes. But the kind of promises we've been given, you can measure their value in the blood of Jesus Christ. This is divine value, value that is quite literally out of this world. It's value that I can't even put my mind around. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter, he says that, that we've not been purchased with just ordinary kind of dirty money kind of stuff. He says, no, it's been by the precious 
blood of Christ. It is the precious blood of Jesus. That's valuable. But don't miss that last word in that, in that phrase. He says it's exceeding great and precious, their promises. Did you know that God has made some commitments to you? Did you know that if you'll read this book, that this thing is full of commitments that God has made to you and he's made to me, he has made to his people throughout history. There's a song that I've been humming for the last about four days. I don't know if y'all ever heard it or not. Vanessa will kill me, but I'm going to try to hum it to you. <laughs> Every promise in the book is mine. You know the song? Every scripture every verse every line do you know this verse does anybody know this or is it just me all right i'm gonna keep doing it then every promise in the book is mine every scripture every verse every line all the blessings of his love divine every promise in the book is mine it's an old song i think it's been around for a while uh some there's a couple groups that have sung it i really like that song i've been listening to it now, of course, we have to be careful to rightly divide the word. We understand there's some promises that were made to Israel and all those sorts of things. But the me message of this passage, or this, ver or excuse me, this um, song is simply that when God says it, you can count on it. If it's in the book, and I've rightly divided his word and understand that is absolutely a promise made to me, I, I don't have to wonder, well, is, is, is God going to do that? Now, you might have to wonder if I tell you something. I'd like to try to keep my word, but I'm, I've, before, I've done it before where I've said I'm going to do this and I forget or I don't do it, don't follow through. I've done that before. You don't have to worry about that with God. You do not have to worry about that. If he said it, it's going to be true. He's given us promises like, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He says if you believe in Jesus Christ, not I'm going to think about it. Not maybe one of these days. He says, there's no condemnation. Now, no condemnation. It's taken care of. You're taken care of. That's what he promises. He says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. This is the God of the universe making this promise. Now I understand he is, he is omnipresent. He can be everywhere all the time, but Let's don't act like, oh, that's whatever. He's no big deal. It's no big deal. He's God, and he's omnipresent, and he said he ain't going to leave you. That's a big promise. That's an exceeding great and precious promise. He also says that he will hold your right hand, and he will help you. When you need some help, now I know we're grown people. We don't need nobody, no how. But I just, I, I, when I'm, I know, I, I, I'm, I don't know how y'all see me, but I just, I can't imagine that somebody like me would, would feel this way, but I do feel this way. When I'm in that moment of distress, I just imagine God putting his big old hand down and just holding my hand and just holding on to me. I don't know where I'm going, but I can hold on to him and he'll take me wherever I need to go. He says he'll do that. He'll hold my hand. He's going to help me. Jesus made a promise in Revelation 22. He made it so sure. He said, I'm going to tell you three times because I don't want you to forget. Surely I come quickly. Jesus said he's going to come quickly. He's ready to come. He said it three times. You go back to Revelation chapter 22. He says it three different times. 
Surely I come quickly. Surely, absolutely, I'm coming quickly. Not going to delay. It's going to happen. You just hang on. He says he's coming. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is going to happen, and it is going to happen soon. Now, I want to stop real quick, and I recognize there might be a handful of y'all, one or two of y'all in this congregation or watching on live stream, that that makes you a little nervous about Jesus coming back, because I, I understand that, because you, you're not ready to go tonight. I understand that. But I need you to understand that God's promise is a good promise. God doesn't promise things like this unless they're good. And I want to reassure you that when he says he's coming soon, Man, that's a good thing. That's an exceeding great and precious promise. And if that don't get you somewhere, let me give you one more. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You have access to the divine promises. Now let me ask you this. Who are you trusting? Are you trusting President Trump for the future? You trust in one of these news sources? Maybe, oh, I know what, maybe it's Dr. Fauci and the CDC. Those, that's who you're trusting, right? Because they, they've got it all figured out, right? They've got it all figured out. Or, or maybe let's make it a little more realistic. Maybe you're trusting that that job you've been working all these years, that they're, they're going to hang on to you a little bit longer. They're going, they're, they're, going, they're going to do the best. They're going to treat you right because you give them a good, good turn. Or, or maybe that spouse that you've loved for the many years, you're just going to say, I, I'm, they're, they're going to stick on with me. They're going to hang on to me. Or, or maybe that, that friend that you just know because they, they, they're your best friend, they, they're, they're, they're with me through thick and thin. Now, now I'm saying all those things because y'all know as well as I do that presidents let us down, that health people lie to us you know as well as i do that the media seems like they're just making stuff up anymore they're not even trying to act like they're making it up they're just making it up anymore and you know as well as i do and this church has felt people in this church have felt this pain of spouses that you thought loved one another that they aren't together anymore i'm not trying to put blame but that's just the real world we live in am i right Y'all have had, you probably can go back through your history and point to friends that you liked them and they liked you and y'all were good buddies and you helped each other out, but y'all don't even talk anymore. In fact, you might even have bad words with each other. I'm trying to tell you, and I think you understand this intuitively, that no one in this world is ever going to be 100% trustworthy. And I say that knowing full well that it's coming out of my mouth. Matthew Tilly is not 100% trustworthy. Do not trust me inherently. Trust me as I'm following Christ. That's what Paul says. Follow me as I follow Christ. Do that. But I need you to understand that the only one that you can trust is the one who has given you exceeding great and precious promises. And he will follow through with his word. You can count on that. He goes on to say there that He's giving you these promises and that by these promises, go to verse 4, that by these, the promises, ye might be partakers of the divine 
nature. You have access to the divine nature. You have access to the divine nature. I want to make sure we understand what he's saying here. He's not saying you're going to become a god. It's not what he's saying. There's false teachers out there that might even suggest that you would become god or godlike. It's not what he's saying. When you say participate or partake in the divine nature. But you know what we are? We're not, we don't become God. But you know what we do get? I get access. I get to be granted connection to, if I can say it this way and not sound too weird, we get a mystical connection to Jesus Christ. I am connected to Christ. I am in, the Bible uses this phrase, I'm in Christ. And you know what happens when you're in Christ? It's a funny thing that happens. That contact with Jesus, it kind of rubs off on you. What I mean by that is you don't become God, that's not what I'm saying, but you do get a little piece of him. You get Jesus. He is the prize. He is what you get, and when you get him, he, like I said, he rubs off on you. He transfers, some of that transforms, transfers over to you. You are transformed into something else entirely because you're connected to Christ. If any man be in Christ, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away and become, all things become new. How does that happen? How does it all change? We, you know, we might think of it as you know, God zapping us on the head or something like that. But no, how it happens is we are partaking, we're participating in the divine nature. We're connected to God. We get that access to the divine person. That divine person changes us. He touches me. You've heard the song, he touched me. This is what Jesus did in, in the New Testament, in, in the Gospels, when he goes and he touches the woman who's, or rather the woman tr grabs his, his garment that has the issue of blood, but he touches people. That's what he does. He makes the blind man see by touching him. It's Jesus making contact, his contact with us. That makes us have participation in his divine nature. So we are changed from people who walk according to the flesh. This is the way Paul writes in Galatians. We're unloving, we're unlovely, we're hateful, in fact. That's, you look around at the world and you say, well, what is wrong with people? They, the wrong, what's wrong with them is they do not have participating with the divine nature. They have not participated with the divine nature. The problem I have personally, a little side note here, my problem personally is people who name the name of Christ who have these traits because they're supposed to have participated in the divine nature and it's supposed to have changed them but he's saying that it's changed you from someone who's unloving and unlovable and hateful someone who's wicked and sinful just straight up vile someone who's rebellious who wants their own way changed from somebody who's driven by their flesh what does this body want what does my mind my mouth what do i want that's what that's what we're changed from but because we make contact with the divine nature because we get contact with Jesus, we are changed into people who start being transformed by that. Romans 5.5 5 says that he sheds abroad in our hearts love. I get the love of God shed abroad in my heart when I make contact with Jesus. 
I'm sinful, but I'm transformed by Jesus Christ that I get, as Romans 4 says, that I have his righteousness imputed to me. It is put into me, his righteousness. I am no longer one who is sitting around hateful. I actually have the love of God oozing out of my pores. And on top of that, I'm actually no longer one who's just doing what my flesh wants. I now have the positive righteousness of God because I've made that contact. John 15, Jesus says that we can even obey God the same way that Jesus obeyed the Father. Now that's perfect. Do you know that God, or rather Jesus, was perfect on this earth? Never did anything wrong. And he says in John 15, 10, that you can actually obey the Father in the same way that he obeyed the Father. Why? Because you've made contact. You have participation in the divine nature we actually get, and this is probably the, the best way I can show you that you've got the divine nature, you've made that participating in that, is because you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. He is actually, if, if we do what the Bible says and we are walking in the Spirit, if we're no longer walking in the flesh, but we are walking in the Spirit, if we're walking after the Spirit, you know what we're doing? We're participating in the divine nature every day, all day. That's what we have access to. Because we know God, we have access to that divine nature. Peter's whole point in this little letter, only a few chapters long, is to say that this what I'm trying to describe to you, what I'm trying to get across to you, this is who you are in Jesus. You are somebody who has God's power to do everything that God needs you to do in this life to be godly and to live and to survive and to sustain. He's going to give you everything. You, that's who you are in Christ that's who you are. You do not need anything else. You literally do not. This is why Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. That's why he says that because the only foundation, the only fountain that you need, the only hope that you need is not anywhere else but in the power of God in Jesus Christ. Who are you in Jesus? You're somebody who has his promises. You've got, what, you've got God's word on it, and you can count on it. You need to cling to what he says. And, and, and don't miss the fact that God went to a lot of trouble to write all this stuff down for us, to preserve his word through the years so that I can open up a book and read what's on his mind. Why would he do that? Because he wants me to know what his promises are because he says, you can hold me to it. I'm going to do it. You can hold to it. You're somebody who has his promises. You're somebody who has God's very person. You've been connected to Jesus. You are been, you're being conformed into his image. You've been filled with his spirit. Yes, you are walking around flesh and blood. We all are, because if we're not, y'all ain't here. But the minute that you're walk, while you're walking around this flesh and blood, we still have this body, I understand that. But you have this body, which is a temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about that. This is who you are. Don't buy Satan's lies. 
the devil is a liar. He will tell you all sorts of things. You need something else. God didn't mean that. That's what he started out saying, by the way, in Genesis chapter 3. I don't think that's the way God said it. I, I think God, God meant something else. That's what, that's what the devil does. That's his, that is his mode of operation. He wants to take the plain word of, uh, word of God, the plain word of Scripture, and he wants to pervert it and twist it. Don't, don't believe what he has to say. Don't believe everything that pops into your mind either, by the way. Because sometimes we get some crazy stuff going on up here. I don't believe God, but God just don't, God, God, he's, he's real disappointed with me. He don't like me no more. I, I'm going to have to work hard to get in his graces. Do you not believe Romans 8, 1? There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. I, I'm not saying he's not, one of, he's not a good father and he may not, that he won't chastise you. He does do that. Hebrews 12 tells me he will take you to, as they say, the woodshed from time to time. I understand that, but he loves you. In fact, that's why he'll take you to the woodshed, because he's not going to let one of his youngins go off in, into mess. He's going to bring them back and try to get them on the right track. That's what he's going to do, because he loves you. Don't believe everything that pops up in this mind. And definitely don't look to this world for affirmation. I, I'm afraid, and I, I'm done here. I've got to be done, because we've got to move on. But I, I'm afraid that this is the church of this age is too much, too interested in what the world thinks of them. They are too interested, and I mean that. I mean that as a corporate body, but I also mean that as individual people. That we're so interested and so concerned. What do they think about what I'm doing? And and not even as a church, but just I'm living my life, and our, and our young people are are susceptible to it, but. Are not so young people are very susceptible to it as well. As we go through our life, we're saying, well, I want, to, I want everybody to like me, or I want them to feel good about me, I want them to validate me, whatever, whoever that is. It's everything from our neighbors to people we ain't even met, but all, whoever it is, we are looking to the world for affirmation, and you need to understand that who you are has nothing to do with them, other than to show them the light of Christ, of course, but you are different you have been changed by god you know god and because you know god you got stuff they ain't got you got your 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 bar your your um the, your comparison point is a different comparison point what's important and should be important to you is not going to be important to the rest of the world we need to find that when we are in need, when we're in doubt, whatever that moment of crisis is, we've got a source of power, we've got promises, we've got a person that gives us our sustenance, our identity. It's all from Jesus. So do remember who you are. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.